Welcome to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. I'm Joe Casey. Today we're going to be talking about health and wellness, and that's a multidimensional thing. I tend to focus on the different building blocks. This year, I'm turning my attention to sleep. I've got the quantity in a good place, and I want to focus more on the quality. So today we'll be talking with Dr. Frank Lipman. Dr. Frank Lipman is recognized as a vocal pioneer of integrative and functional medicine, or what he calls good medicine. He's the chief medical officer for The Well and founder of 1111 Wellness Center in New York City. He's the author of many best-selling books. We'll be talking about two of them today, Better Sleep, Better You, and The New Rules of Aging Well. A sought-after international speaker, Dr. Lipman has been featured in the New York Times, Vogue, Women's Health, New York Magazine, and, oh, The Oprah Magazine. He's appeared as a guest on today's show, Extra, and many other programs. And he joins us today from New York City. Dr. Lipman, great to talk with you. Thanks for making the time to talk with us. Thank you for having me. So your book, Better Sleep, Better You, has a wealth of information on sleep. What are some things people often don't know or appreciate about sleep, but should? Well, probably some of the most important things are sleep is an active state. I used to think, a lot of people still think, that you just go to sleep and it's nothing's really happening in your sleep. But there are a lot of metabolic processes happening when you sleep. So that's key to understand. It's when your body repairs, it's when your body clears out waste. In particular, in the brain, there's something called the glymphatic system, which is a sort of a detox, a sort of a garbage collection and disposable system in your brain which gets rid of all the waste products of the neurological waste products of the thinking and working throughout the day. And at night, this gets cleared out. And it only happens when you sleep. So if you don't sleep, you don't clear out all the waste products. And it's also important to understand with sleep, it's not only about what you do at night before you go to sleep. It's also about what happens during the day that's going to affect your sleep. And it's important to realize it's one of the important pillars of health. You know, we talk about diet, exercise, and stress, but, you know, sleep is up there. And probably the last thing I'd like to say, especially probably with your audience and with our age group, alcohol is not your friend. It's not your friend with anything, but particularly when it comes to sleep. A lot of people drink alcohol because it sort of calms them down and they think it makes them fall asleep, but it really disrupts your sleep. So those would be the important things I'd like to get across. Thank you. So what's life like with great sleep versus poor sleep? Well, most of us probably know that from when we're not sleeping well, but as a general rule, we're talking about more energy, more mental clarity and sharpness, but also there's less inflammation. You can lose weight. You know, I always used to say, if you want to lose weight, sleep more. So your weight can improve. There's less incidence of all the chronic diseases that we worry about, from heart disease to diabetes to Alzheimer's. And there's even research showing now that it, it improves your microbiome, which is the bacteria in your gut that are key to your health. So it basically affects every aspect of your being. and you feel the difference when you don't sleep well and you do sleep well. 
So we all have a lot of experience with sleep, and sometimes that can get in our way. We consider ourselves experts, and we may not be. What are some common things that get us out of sync? Well, probably the commonest is, and it's, and it's a good question because sleep is your sleep and being awake day and night are your primary rhythms. So when you get out of sync with day and night or light and dark, you get out of sync. And being in rhythm means going to bed and waking up at about the same time every night. So one of the biggest problems I see is people going to bed very late during the week and catching up on their sleep on the weekend. That's not good for your body because understanding that sleep is a rhythm, it's important to try to go to bed and get up at the same time every day. The other big issue with what gets us out of sync is we tend to be under too much artificial light during the day and night and not enough natural light during the day. And your body can't tell the difference between natural light and artificial light. So if you're under too much artificial light at night, your body still thinks it's daytime. And there are many effects of natural light that are much more beneficial to your health than artificial light. So the idea would be to try to get as much natural light during the day and try and have your room pitch dark at night. What else in terms of sink? I would say you know, being stressed out during the day can absolutely affect your sleep and, and get you out of sync. And probably what's also important is the realization that you can't go 100 miles an hour and stop dead and go to sleep. There should be some transition period between your awake hours and your night hours. And then lastly, I would say never ignore, forget about gut health and your diet because all of that can affect your sleep and keep you in sync with sleep. So what's the role of technology in sleep? What tools should people consider using and what should we avoid? Well, another interesting question because I've sort of, as I've gotten older and I start getting more into anti-aging and doing whatever I can to optimize my health. I do wear a sleep, you know, I wear an aura ring to track my sleep. Having said that, I think too much technology is, is probably not a good thing for your sleep, especially if you're reading iPads or even watching TV. That light from the TV and from your iPad, from your cell phone is not good because you're, you're, once again, your body wants to be in the dark for sleep. And being exposed to light is going to affect your sleep. So, so technology as a general rule and all the bright lights in your bedroom affecting the darkness of your room is a problem. But I think sleep apps or, or sleep technology like an Aura Ring, even an Apple Watch, I'm not sure how accurate that is. The Aura Ring is probably a bit more accurate or there's some technology on beds now. I think sleep technology is interesting if that's going to help you. And I, I find with my patients that, that the good thing about this is when people put on an aura ring and they realize how alcohol affects their sleep or if they eat too late, it will affect their sleep or if they're eating too much sugar, it affects their sleep. So I think getting that day-to-day -day or even minute-to-minute -minute awareness and measuring what's going on in your body can be very helpful, including with sleep. So. 
I'm all for sleep technology that measures your sleep, but I'm very wary of the other technology that may affect your sleep negatively. Quick break in the conversation to step back and take stock. How are you doing on the New Year's resolutions or goals that you set at the beginning of the year? Well, if you could use a boost, you're not alone. It's often not the aspirations or the goals we set, it's the method. I've been using since 2014 the Tiny Habits Method developed by Dr. BJ Fogg. He's the director of the Behavior Design Lab at Stanford. And that method can help you start small and make progress. Highly recommend it. And if you can use some extra support working with a coach, I have a four-week program that can help you get back on track. Take a look at the show notes. You'll find a link for more information. There's plenty of year left ahead. So I often read that we need less sleep as we age. What say you, Dr. Frank Lippman? Well, I say that's a myth. I think it becomes harder to sleep as we get older but we need as much sleep, maybe even more as we get older. So there's no question as we get older, you tend to sleep less, but it doesn't mean that you need less sleep. So as I've gotten older, I wake up at five o'clock every morning. I think that happens to a lot of us as we get older, but I think going to bed at 12 o'clock is not the right thing to do. So, you know, I go to sleep between nine and 10 now because I know I'm going to wake up at five. So I think the myth is that we need less sleep. I think it is harder to get good sleep and a good amount of sleep as we get older, but I don't think it's because we need less. So what are the benefits of melatonin for sleep and for anti-aging? Well, another great question, because we've always thought of melatonin as something for sleep. But lately, I've been exploring a lot of the research using or seeing melatonin as one of the primary anti-aging hormones. So as we get older, our melatonin levels decrease, and that may be why we find it harder to sleep. But melatonin doesn't just affect your sleep. Melatonin affects your immune system, your heart. It affects metabolism, sugar control, your weight. It affects your gut affects a huge swath of our, our physiology. So melatonin is now in certain circles, and I'm one of those people who've become obsessed with melatonin. It's probably because it affects so many of the factors that are affected by aging. For instance, as we age, we tend to get more inflammation. As we age, we tend to get more oxidation. As we age, our immune cells die off or our immunity decreases. And melatonin affects all those in a beneficial way. So I, for one, have started taking 10 milligrams of melatonin at night, not for sleep, but for as an anti-aging hormone. For sleep, I used to use 0.3, 0.5 milligrams of melatonin to sleep. You probably don't need more. But now with aging, as we get into our 50s and 60s, I'm 68, I'm starting to use melatonin as an anti-aging hormone, but I'm finding my sleep is much deeper and much better too. So it's quite interesting. I think the idea that melatonin is an anti-aging hormone, there's something there because melatonin decreases as we age. And now that you need more melatonin, especially when its functions sort of counteract many of the 
factors that, that occur with aging, I think it's almost like a no-brainer to use melatonin you know, as an anti-aging supplement because it, you know, it's a hormone, but we can get it as a supplement. So for our listeners who can't see the video, Dr. Lippman does not look 68. If you were watching like I am, you'd be out ordering melatonin after this conversation. I've just started taking that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So I've also read the book you co-authored, The New Rules of Aging Well. Interesting your thoughts on what are some of the anti-aging practices you'd recommend? Well, the first page of the book is eat less. I think one of the, the most researched factor with, in anti-aging has been calorie restriction. So I think as we get older, just eating a little bit less is a good idea. But it's also not only how much you eat, it's what you eat. So sugar is the devil. So a low sugar, low carb diet is always a good thing. Protein is interesting, especially as we get older. I think we need more protein. I mean, protein maybe between 40 and 60 is not as in, maybe you need a bit less. But once we get into our 60s, I think we need more protein as we start losing muscle mass in particular. So it's not only how much you eat and, and what you eat, but it's also when you eat. I'm a huge fan of fasting, in particular in, intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating is particularly helpful because it actually affects our longevity genes. It also triggers a mechanism called autophagy, which is something that decreases as we get older. And that's that mechanism in our body, the cleansing mechanism of our body. So as we get older, that your cells don't cleanse as well. So intermittent fasting sort of triggers that autophagy process. So I'm a huge fan of, of fasting. And, and why that happens is it's a bit of a, a positive stress on the body, something called hormesis, sort of, you know, the idea that a little bit of stress is what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So it's a, because you haven't eaten for 16 hours or so, that little bit of stress on the body triggers mechanisms in your body that are really beneficial for aging. Now, something else that's similar is intermittent training, sort of short sprints. So these little stresses on your body are good. Or going from a sauna into a cold plunge, extreme temperatures, all of those are hormetic stresses, which are actually really good for your longevity genes. So I'm a big fan of triggering the, the, those hormetic stresses and autophagy. So intermittent fasting, cold plunges. And if you don't have a, access to a cold plunge and a cold shower after a hot shower in the morning, yeah, you can do the cold water for a half a minute would be great. When you exercise, just a few bursts of speed while you're doing it, all those things are really good for, for the aging process. It's a great point on the high intensity interval training. And those are things from what I understand you can also do not just while working out, but everyday activities, just those short bursts can really be beneficial. Exactly. It's a short burst of intensity. Exactly. What doesn't kill us will make us stronger. Appreciate it. Yeah. Dr. Frank Lipman, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. Quite important topics, sleep, health, and anti-aging. Thanks again. Thank you. Time for the takeaway segment where I share my ideas of things to put into action after this podcast conversation, and it's an opportunity for us to compare notes. What did you jot down that you want to do from here? Here are my three. Number one, get in sync. 
this is a big one for me. I started tracking my sleep. So in January, I averaged exactly seven hours and 30 minutes. So I'm happy with that. Now I want to focus on working out earlier so I can get to bed earlier. Now I have the advantage of my wife who listens to some of these podcasts. And if she hears something I'm talking about, but not doing to the same level, she will point that out to me in a nice, helpful, encouraging way. And this will be one of them. Number two, be aware of how technology can help you and hurt you. So I mentioned I've been tracking my sleep on Apple Watch. That's been very helpful to me. But Dr. Frank Lipman mentioned also the Hour Ring, which can give you more detailed data. So think about tools like that if you're looking for more information on the quality of your sleep and more data. But also be aware of the downside of technology, particularly the screens, and making sure that that's something that is not getting in the way of quality sleep for you. Number three, what's your ritual? This is another area I need to pay attention to. What are the things, as he mentioned, that you're doing before you go to sleep, which he pointed out is as important as what you do actually in sleeping. So pay attention to what are the things that are going to provide a transition period, a buffer for you. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. The goal here is to help you retire smarter by giving you a sense of the non-financial side of retirement and the different dimensions that can make a great retirement life. But the best news of all, you don't need to wait. You can start putting a lot of these things into practice right away. Don't wait for the question, what now? Start now thinking about your future and building it starting today.